I just keep traveling east and I'd wind up right where I started. What God says, He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. He said, I will remember no more. Praise the Lord. He didn't say it, forget it. Because you can forget something and still remember it. God said, I will remember no more. Praise the Lord. You want to have to just make you want to shout. Amen. That means when our sins turn to the blood, they're gone. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. Praise the Lord. We honored for all the guests being with us tonight. Thank you for coming. Appreciate you. Praise God for you. We pray that when we leave, we'd say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. I know I've been blessed. But thank Brother Homer and Miss Sandra for the wonderful meal that we had and fellowship at their home. And we thank you for your hospitality. Thank you, our brother. And we appreciate it. And um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn again to the book of Daniel. We're in chapter 4, beginning in 4 tonight. <clears throat> in chapter 3, we have covered, we saw a very hateful heart of Nebuchadnezzar. And tonight and tomorrow night we'll be seeing the humble heart of Nebuchadnezzar. Amen. How God works in our lives to humble us. If you found your place, we'll stand in the reverence of the reading of God's word. Daniel 4 verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders <clears throat> that the high God hath wrought toward me. <clears throat> How great are his signs. How mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation <clears throat> to generation. Let's pray, Father, tonight. Lord, we thank you that your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Lord, we cannot even begin to understand the depths of your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, we thank you that we can experience it, Lord. Because, Lord, our salvation, as the brother is saying, is not us a holding on to you, but God, it's you holding on to us. That's right. In spite of us, mm. that you're mindful of us and you love us when we're unlovely and ungodly. And, oh, Father, that you came down and dwelt among us. And, Lord, you died and gave a sacrifice for us that you could impart life, eternal life to us. That we could be reconciled to you for eternity. Father, we thank you now. Lord, if there's a soul being weighed in the balance even tonight and found in want, that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and do the supernatural work that only you can work and bring the revelation of salvation, Lord, to this house tonight. 
Oh, God, help us. Don't leave us to ourselves. We are a needy people and a needy hour. Mm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have been looking at Nebuchadnezzar. What we're looking at is that we need a revival of the obedience to the Word of God. If we would just obey the Word of God, we will be in the will of God and we will become witnesses for God and we will experience the wonders of God. That God, the Holy God, can be working in us and through us for His glory and us not even know it. But He always, there's always a witness if the witness will just recognize God. This is what we've been preaching in every service. We've seen that God raises up kings and kingdoms and establishes them and then God sets them down. We have seen in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 37, it's God that raised up Nebuchadnezzar and given him of kingdom, of power and strength and glory. In Nebuchadnezzar, he took captive the people of God <laughs> because of their disobedience. God gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream. He couldn't even remember the dream. All of his astrologers and soothsayers and musicians and wise men could not even come and, and begin to interpret the dream because they didn't even know the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar, this heathen, ruthless ruler, he demanded that they all be put to death because they're useless. But Daniel sought the Lord and the Lord gave him the revelation and the interpretation of the dream. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, your dream was a great image. Had a head of gold and had a chest of silver and a belly of brass and, and legs of iron and feet part iron and part clay. And a great stone, not cut out with men's hands, came from heaven and it smote the image. And the wind blew it away like the shaft from the summer's threshing floor. And the stone grew into a great mountain and filled the whole earth. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, that's the revelation, but here's the interpretation. Your kingdom is the head of gold. You are beginning, are the beginning of what is known as the times of the Gentiles. I mean, here is human history throughout humanity to the end of the world. Brother Reverend Daniel is confirmation and clarification to the book of Revelation. And so therefore, we see each part. I mean, there was Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, and after him was the Mede-Persians. Gonna, God's going to raise them up, and they'll take over world dominance. Then after them was the Grecians, amen, and they will take world dominance, and then there's Rome. These are all Gentiles, Rulers that conquered and ruled the world. 
the Gentiles. We're still in the time of the Gentiles. This first dream was God, is a prophetic dream that God is dealing with nations. But Nebuchadnezzar, we saw last night, in, in the desire of self deification and self exaltation and self glorification, he made the whole image of gold. And he demanded that all his subjects of nations and languages and people, because he's a dictator, and he demands them to bow and worship his image and his likeness. But there were three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the people of God that knew the word of God. They would not compromise in spite of the consequences that they faced. They said, we will not bow. It will be in direct disobedience to the word of our God and to the will of our God. Nebuchadnezzar in his arrogance, his rage, his fury, he throwed them in the fire. Who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? There's no God greater than me. I'm the great Nebuchadnezzar. And they throwed them in that fire. Brother, they did not bow, they did not bend, and they did not burn. The Bible said, we read it last night, they're suffering according to the will of God. How long will that take place? And it said in Peter, until his glory shall be revealed. So here's the people of God, obedient to the word of God. They've become witnesses to God. Because Nebuchadnezzar said, there's a fourth man in the fire. And he looks like the Son of God. The wonders of God. Folks, God wants to manifest Himself in us and through us. In every fiery trial that we face is an occasion, amen, for a demonstration of the manifestation for His glorification. If we will just stand. Stand on the truth of His Word. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar said at the end of chapter 3 and verse 28, amen. It says, you servants, your God has delivered you who trusted in Him. You yielded your bodies a living sacrifice. Your hair's not sins, you don't smell like smoke. Folks, with God all things are possible. Here's a wonder, amen. Nebuchadnezzar can't deny and he cannot explain. Here is a heathen that's just come encounter with a holy God. Brother, we're wanting and we're praying, Lord, what do we do to change the culture? Just be obedient to the word of God. God will do the rest. That's right. I mean, we say their faith got them out of the fire. No, their faith got them in the fire. <laughs> it was Jesus got them out. Amen. That's what the church needs today. 
We need enough faith <coughs> to get in the fire. Because it's in the fire will there be a demonstration of his glorification. And it's there that we will experience the wonders of God. Now we come to our text of chapter 4. We see the humble heart of Nebuchadnezzar. Notice verse 4 said, Nebuchadnezzar the king, unto all the people, nations, languages that dwell upon the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. Do you see the change of attitude? Do you see the change of heart? In chapter 3, he said, All you nations, languages, and people, you be, you bow down to me or burn. But now, he said, Hey, all languages, nations, and people, peace be multiplied to you. He's wanting them to be blessed. Here is a changed man because he's come in contact with a holy God. And there's been a personal experience. And this, what we're reading tonight, is Nebuchadnezzar's personal testimony of salvation. Now, if you're saved, you have a testimony. People say sometimes, well, I wish I had a testimony. Are you a child of God? Yeah, then you got one. That's right. Your testimony is how you personally come to know the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some people say, well, I, I heard old so-and-so's testimony and how they were in drugs and they were drunkards and fornicating and adulterating and, and God saved them and delivered them. Oh, they got such a wonderful testimony. True. No, I tell you the most wonderful testimony is a little child that was reared in the house of God and brother, he learned the word of God at an early age and God saved him, amen, and he walked in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake and he never got drunk and he never done drugs and he never adulterated fornicating and he walked in obedience to the word of God for the glory of God. That's a good testimony. Amen. That's right. That's the best testimony. A testimony of a life that's not scarred by sin. Everybody's got a testimony whether you got saved by the road or, or by your bed or by the altar of God. It's where you personally met God and God changed your life. This is Nebuchadnezzar's personal testimony. And we see it and his heart is already changed. He's, he's praying that people are bound in peace. In peace with God. Now, every testimony starts with the grace of God. And that's what we're seeing here. Amen. For by grace we say through faith, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained we should walk in them. That's grace. Grace. Grace is God doing for man what man without God is totally incapable of. We can't save ourselves. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, they're enmity against God, and evil in their heart, amen, an enemy of God, running from God, hiding from God, re re rejecting God, and rebellion against God.
everything that's God in His Word. But in Genesis 3.21, it was the grace of God. God came to them. And God made coats of skins and clothed them. That's grace. God doing for man what man without God is incapable of. He says in Isaiah, He has clothed me in the garments of His salvation and the robes of His righteousness. Amen. Hmm. The sinless, the innocent, has died for the guilty to clothe them. Folks, that's grace. And God reconciled man, the sinful man, back to Himself by the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Then when every imagination of man was continually evil in Genesis 6, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He wasn't out hunting grace, amen, and found it. No, it was grace. It was God that came to Noah. God told Noah to build the ark. What did I say? God always has a witness. It don't matter how dark and depraved this world gets, folks. God always has a witness if the witness will recognize God. Now, God told Noah to build that ark. Now, God, that's a little far-fetched. God, that, that really seems over the top. God, if I tell people it's going to rain and you're going to destroy the world with water and and I'm building this big old boat on the side of this mountain. They're going to laugh me out of the country. No, God said it. I believe it. I'm going to obey it. When Noah got on that boat. He was uh, 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 the minority. But when he got off the boat, he was the majority. Church, I don't know if you know that. In this nation right here, there was a day and an hour where Christians, back in the 50s, I think it was like right at 60% of all Americans attended church on a regular basis. That's church attenders. And this day and hour, it's down to about 26% of Americans attend church on We are no longer the majority, Brother Paul. We are now the minority in this nation. Brother, he was obedient to the Word of God. He was right in the will of God. And brother, he experienced the wondrous works of God. God worked the work through Noah by grace and saved humanity. That's grace. There's another man hated the church, persecuted the church. Anybody he could find following Christ, he prided himself on putting them to death, putting them to prison, and, and persecuting them. And brother, it was God that came to Saul. God struck him down. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? God didn't give him an option. He said, you're going to stand before kings and Gentiles and Jews and you're going to preach my word. And I'm going to show you how you must suffer for my name's sake. Folks, that's grace. Grace that God would even be mindful 
grace. You know what grace is? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. But grace also means getting what I don't deserve. I don't deserve to have my sins forgiven. I don't deserve to be in, in reconciled to a holy God. I don't deserve to be redeemed. I don't deserve to be regenerated. Amen. I don't deserve to die and go to a heaven where there's no more suffering and sorrow and sin and separation. I don't deserve that. Amen. But I'm going to experience it by grace. Ooh. That's grace. So Nebuchadnezzar didn't deserve it either, but God showed him grace. God gave him the dreams. Look at verse 2. Now grace is for every kindred, tongue, and nation of people. It's not just for Israel. Look at verse 2. I thought it good to show the signs and the wonders that the high God, notice the capital H and the capital G. Mm. He has given reverence and respect to Jehovah God. The signs and the wonders that the high God hath wrought, which is toward me. This is his personal testimony. But watch verse 3. How great are his signs, explanation point. How mighty are his wonders, explanation point. His kingdom is everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. And we would expect him to tell of all the signs and the wonders that he's experienced. But listen, the grace of God toward me, he has shown and he gives explanation on it. He is so overwhelmed by the grace of God and he understands his inability amen to explain the elective grace of God that he can't even explain it Saul had this same experience we know him as the apostle Paul he wrote in Romans chapter 9 chapter 10 and chapter 11 in Romans chapter 9 when he said God said hey Jacob I've loved and Esau I hated. People get twisted off over that. Well, it's the Bible. He said in Romans 9, 15, I show mercy on whom I show mercy and I show compassion on whom I show compassion. I'm God and I don't have to give you an explanation of what I do and how I do it. I'm sovereign. Then Paul wrote in Romans 10, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God's raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart the man believeth unto righteous, but with the mouth the confession is made unto salvation. And whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. You say, well, you've got to reconcile those two. I ain't got to. I don't have to. That's why it's an explanation point, amen. That's God. And then he winds up in Romans chapter 11. See, even Paul with his most brilliant mind and spiritual insight, he couldn't reconcile these two. But listen to what he said. In Romans 11, verse 5. Even so then at this present time also there's a remnant according to the election of grace. 
And if by grace, then it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Hmm. And listen to verse 33 of that chapter. Look at the conclusion Paul comes to, this brilliant intellectual mind. All oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Explanation point. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Exclamation point. Even the Apostle Paul couldn't explain it. And when you got men today that said they can explain God, they've got God tucked away in their theological bookshelf, amen, and they got God confined. Got God limited. Anything he does outside of my box, amen, it ain't God. Hmm. And then they wonder why they're not experiencing the wonders of God. God can work any way He wants to work. He can do what He wants when He wants, how He wants, and He doesn't owe us an explanation. Man in his finite mind, in the feeble foolishness of flesh, with all our vows and continents and symbols, we cannot explain the inexhaustible God. He is the Most High God. That reveals himself in signs and wonders. We don't understand it. We can't comprehend it. But praise God we can experience it. Amen. Through salvation by grace. When God reconciles us unto himself. That's what Nebuchadnezzar is saying. Amen. Because, brother, when we have reduced God to a correct, calculated creed of theology, we have reduced faith to reason, and it's no more faith. Mm. Brother, we are saved by faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. And the finished work of God and the Word of God. There was a man in heaven... Walking down the street of gold one day and he walked up on this guy passing him by. He said, hey man, what do you think about heaven? He said, oh, it's glorious. Man, ain't you glad to be here? Oh man, I'm excited. I'm glad I'm here. He said, what do you think about serotiriology? I probably ain't even saying the word right. He said, well, I really don't know about that. What do you think about sanctification and justification? He said, well really know if I know all about that. He said, man, well, what are you doing in heaven? He said, well, all I know, three of us was being crucified one day. Me and another male factor, we were guilty of our crimes and our sins. But there was a man in the middle who was innocent, a just man. And I just asked him, I believed he was the son of God I wasn't worthy to come to his kingdom and I just asked him would you remember me when you come to your kingdom and he said today you will be at me in paradise I am here 
because the man in the middle said I could come. Brother, you may not be able to explain God. You don't have to. You just got to know God. Amen. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar here, amen. He said, there's a fourth man in the fire and he looks like the Son of God, amen. He's had a personal encounter with God and God's changed the heart of a king. And now he's given his personal testimony of what God has done. And so, let's keep moving. Look at verse 4 now. And in verse 4, he said, Nebuchadnezzar was at rest in my house, flourishing in my palace. Now, he, he's now, he's retired at rest. I mean, he's no longer leading armies to subdue kingdoms. He's filled, fulfilled all his ambitions. All his achievements have been attained. All the armies and, and enemies have been conquered. He's flourishing in his palace. Got all the wine he wants to drink, all the food he wants to eat, and all the luxuries and dainties of this world at his fingertips. Look at verse 5. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Here is a mighty monarch. In the most powerful kingdom on earth at that day. He is living behind impregnable walls of one of the seven wonders of the world, the city of Babylon. He has the most powerful army on earth guarding him day and night. All the luxuries of the world at his fingertips. But he said, I'm troubled. On my bed at night, I am troubled. Brother, I tell you what, that's Holy Ghost conviction, amen. You don't turn it on and you don't turn it off. Right. You can get under Holy Ghost conviction at the house of God and you can run from God and try to hide from God and you can cut out the light when you get in bed at night. God's in that bed. God's in the dark, amen. You can get up and go to work and the Bible said the Word of God's like a hammer beating upon our heart to break the stony heart to pieces, amen. And there's no substance that can subdue or stop the, superior, the Spirit's convicting work of God. Brother, when the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment to come and reveals to us we're down doomed sinners, depraved and headed for hell, without God, without hope, there is no hope. That's why it's so troubling try to run, we try to hide, but there's no place to find peace. And now we come to the dream. In this dream, God is dealing personally with Nebuchadnezzar. Look at verse 10. Thus were the visions of mine in, in, in my head, in my bed. I saw and beheld a tree in the midst of the earth. And the height of it, notice these it's, and the height of it was great. The tree grew and was strong, and its height reached into heaven. And in the sight of it, to the end of all the earth, its leaves were fair, its fruit was much, its meat were for all. The beast of the field had shadow under it. The fowls of the heavens dwelt in it, in its brows, and all flesh was fed by it. I saw in the vision of my head, Upon my bed.
dead. And behold, a watcher, holy one, came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, Thus hew down the tree, cut off its branches, shake off its leaves, scatter its fruit, let the beast get away from under it and the fowls from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of its roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass and the tender grass of the field. Now watch, the it changes to a hymn. You see, that tree is Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. Notice now the it turns to a hymn. It's personal. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beast and the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from a man's and let a beast's heart be given unto him and let seven times pass over him. And brethren, this is God coming to Nebuchadnezzar and showing him what he's going to do said, brother, that tree, it grew. That's Nebuchadnezzar and his power that God raised him up. Brother, an angel of the Lord came and brother, it stripped the fruit and it stripped the branches and it stripped the leaves, amen, that is substance. And it cut off the branches that the fowls of the air, that speaks of security. They found lodging in his branches. And then he said, the beast could no longer lodge under the shadow. And that's satisfying, amen. And so therefore, the tree was hewn down and cut down and a band of iron placed upon it. And you gonna live like a beast and Eat grass like an ox for seven years. Folks, here's God humbling Nebuchadnezzar. You can run from God, but we cannot hide from God. Mm. But again, no, he remembers the dream, but no wise men of his kingdom can interpret the dream. But he remembers Daniel. He said, go get Daniel. Verse 19, Daniel comes in chapter, uh, verse 18, and verse 19, it says he is perplexed. Daniel's astonished. He's perplexed at the dream. He's silent. Nebuchadnezzar says, speak. You have liberty to speak. Tell me what it means. Now Daniel is standing before the king that the people would not bow to his image, would throw him in the fire. He is standing before the king that when the other wise men could not interpret the dream, he was going to put them to death. He knows he is a ruthless ruler. Daniel knows the interpretation of the dream, and it's not good. So even Daniel is at the point, should I compromise? Or should I just say, thus saith the Lord? Amen. Now, every young preacher crosses this in his ministry. I know I did. As a young preacher, you go out there, you beat in the bushes and the highways and the hedges, trying to get people in church. You, you visit with a family, and you visit, and you visit, and you minister to them, you pray with them, you encourage them, and it's been six months, amen. They keep telling you they're coming, they tell you they're coming, but they ain't never come. And then God gives you a word, it's burning in your bones, and brother, you get in the pulpit, and they walk through the door and sit down. 
And you know this word today is going to, I mean, brother, it's going to, it's going to expose them and their self and their sin. They're going to get mad. It's going to hit them between the eyes and they're going to never come back. And I've been trying so hard to get them to church. Maybe I just water it down a little bit. Maybe I just won't, you know, say that part. Maybe I can just leave that out, Lord. I mean, I've been working hard to get them to church. But if I say what you want me to say, they're going to get mad and think I'm personally picking on them and, and has counseled them out, and they ain't never going to come back. Every young preacher's got to learn this, folks. I'm not responsible for the reaction or the response. I'm just responsible to proclaim, thus saith the Lord. Brother Preston Holder just used to say, I'm just the mailman. I'm just delivering your mail from God. And that's between you and God. And so he said, O king, here's the interpretation. God raised up your kingdom and your pride and your arrogance, God's going to take it away. He's going to strip from you its strength, its stability, and its substance. And he's going to drive you into the wilderness for seven years and you're going to eat grass like an ox until you repent. Nebuchadnezzar didn't like that. Look at verse 25. Look down at the bottom of verse. Till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdoms of men and giveth it to whosoever he will. And whereas thou commanded to leave the stump and the tree and the roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee after thou shalt known that the heavens do rule. In other words, God's going to save your kingdom. That's why he put the brass and the iron on the stump. So, Nebuchadnezzar. He said, verse 27, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be accepted unto thee. Break off thy sins by righteousness, thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if there may be a, a lengthening of thy tranquility. You know what he's telling? Repent. Repent. Folks, God gives all of us a space to repent. All that sin that comes short of the glory of God, there's none righteous, no, not one. In the flesh dwelleth no good thing. If we'll confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repentance is toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And except we repent, we'll all likewise perish. We have to come to God and acknowledge God and our need for God. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, Amen, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Brother, we no longer need procrastination. We need motivation and activation to come. To come to Him. 
to call upon Him, confess our sins to Him, and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and the sight of God that He may lift us up. But we must come. So here's His appeal in verse 27. But let's close verse 28 and 29. All this came to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spoke and said, Is not this the great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? He is still prideful and haughty. Mm. And the very opportunity he has to repent, he's refusing it. And brother, the tree was hewed down, just like God said. Folks, God's given us a space to repent tonight. And if we don't, we'll face the chastening hand of God. He's given us a space to repent. He gave Jeremiah, he preached that, amen, to, to the people of God that they had a space to repent. Jeremiah told Judah to repent. They refused, and he said, Nebuchadnezzar, that Babylon's going to invade, and he invaded in, in 605 B.C. He told them again, repent. They refused to repent. He said, you're going to be invaded again. Nebuchadnezzar returned in 598 B.C. Eleven years later, he told them, repent, repent, cry out to God, turn back to God. They hardened their heart, refused to repent. This time, Nebuchadnezzar came, and he plowed up in Jerusalem, and he burned it, and he packed off all the treasures from the house of God, and he took away the people of God. Folks, how long can we afford to harden our hearts and bow our necks to a holy, the most high God? Father, tonight, Grant us a space to repent of our sins and our self and our silliness and our sensuality. Oh God, that we might be witnesses for you in this crazy, chaotic culture in which we live. Multitudes right now, their minds are on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life all over this lake. It's a holiday weekend. And they're running and ripping and drinking and dipping and indulging in the pleasures of the palace of America at ease inside. And Lord, we sit presence. God, work in us and through us. Work wonders. Do far above and beyond what we ask or think. But Lord, let us be consecrated to you for what days we have left. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As we stand tonight, Pastor be here. We're going to sing what? 182. 182. The pastor's here. <clears throat> Pray with him. You like the counsel with him?
The altars are open. We have an advocate of the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Oh, but do you know, do you have a testimony? <laughs> Tell you what, before we sing, just bow your heads as he just plays gently. Go to your salvation. Go to your personal salvation, your personal experience. You may not can explain it with vowels and symbols and continents sentences but go to the place where you know God met with you go to the place where you know God came to you where God changed you and you never got over it may have been in the woods may have been in the cornfield may have been on the lake been in the house of God at the altar of God go to that place where you know God changed you now look at me before we sing some of you were searching in your mind I go to church I believe in God. But where did I ever meet God? Was it here? No, it wasn't there. Was it here? No, it wasn't there. Or was it there? But you really couldn't find a place where you know God saved you. We're going to give you that opportunity tonight. If that question is ever asked again, you can say, I know it. Lake St. John Baptist Church at that altar. I met God. And God changed me. I know that I know. You can leave here with a testimony tonight for the glory of God as we sing. You come. You need to come.
several months he walked up and down the palace. God's long suffering. God gave him a space to repent, gave him a year. God gave Nineveh 40 days. And in those 40 days, Nineveh, the whole city, put on sackcloth and ashes and repented and cried out to God and God spared I believe if Nebuchadnezzar would have cried out to God, humbled himself before God at that moment, the tree would have never been healed down. God was showing him what was going to take place. May the Lord have mercy upon us. If the Spirit of God's convicting us tonight, I'm letting we'll go home. And upon our bed, that we'll be troubled. And the Spirit of God will not allow us to sleep. Will not allow us to slumber. That we can come back to the house of God and throw ourselves upon the mercy of God and the grace of God. Say, oh God, help me. Don't leave me to myself. Disrespectful, you can sit. Pray right there where you are, make an altar. He said, I write these things, little children, that you sin not. It's not his will that we sin. But if we sin, we have an advocate to the Father. He's Jesus Christ, the righteous. We can come to Him. We can confess our sins to Him. We can call upon Jesus. And He is faithful. His ear is not deaf that He cannot hear. His arms not short that He cannot save. He can save you tonight. He can deliver you tonight. If we would just come. Appreciate that message. 
it, uh, it is the word of God. Amen. Uh, even though we have been called by God as his children not to compromise, we do. We stumble, we falter, we fail, and sometimes we just outright choose to rebel against God. Knowingly, willingly rebel against God. There's one thing for Nebuchadnezzar to rebel against God. A heathen man, a lost man, a man that's seen the power of God and has come to understand what God's capable of. That God can rescue his children out of the fire. Had an impact in Nebuchadnezzar's life, but it didn't change his heart, did it? He ultimately rebelled against God to the point that he put him out in the field eating grass like a cow. But it's something different for a child of God to rebel against him. For Nebuchadnezzar to do it, I understand. I was lost. I was dead. I was separated. I didn't know God. knew about God, but I didn't know him. See, when, when God reveals himself to you, when God illuminates your mind, regenerates your soul, draws you to himself, saves you, fills you, floods you, controls you by the power of the Holy Spirit from the inside out, not from the outside in, just from the inside out. And yet we still, now having been filled, flooded, and under the control of the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing the Word of God, knowing the power of God, we still make a determination to stiffen our necks, turn our hearts away from the living God. And then we just, for some reason, believe that he's going to overlook our sin. No repentance, no turning away, no turning back. Just a confession, Lord, I admit what I did, I'm sorry. My friend, that is not repentance. That is not repentance. Repentance is not just telling God what you did. Repentance is turning away from what you did, never to do it again by the grace of God. Well, God bless you for being here tonight. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Amen. Somebody call them ladies up to fill them a hole back there behind you. We, uh, we got an empty spot. But that's all right. God's in control of numbers. Amen. He, uh, he's in control of the numbers. So I'm thankful that, uh, that you found your way here tonight. Hope you can find your way here tomorrow evening. We'll be gathering together at 5 o'clock, not 5.30, but 5 o'clock tomorrow evening because we're having a hamburger cooking. And uh, everybody is invited. Hope that you can come. As a matter of fact, get your neighbor, get somebody that you love, maybe somebody that don't know the Lord, get them in a headlock, bring them with you, amen. They're kicking and screaming, it don't matter, just bring them, amen. They'll, they'll enjoy it once they get here. But you come, enjoy the fellowship with us before the preaching of the Word, and then enjoy the fellowship of the Spirit, fellowship of God once the eating meeting is done. Any comments, any questions before we close? Brother, I appreciate your words. I appreciate the preaching of the Word of God. You, uh, you do good. Of course, I, I'm thankful for that. Brother Paul, would you close us in prayer, please, sir? God, we, we just come to you humbled uh, by the, your majesty, your greatness, just filled with the uh, all of your glory.